This episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Anthony and I both love these guys and are super proud to include them as a sponsor on the show this week. When Anthony and I visited all 30 ballparks, the SeatGeek app helped save us a ton of money and time. SeatGeek is basically a ticket aggregator that lists all the tickets on the secondary market and ranks them based on value. You can get views from the seats and you can compare prices. So like if someone is selling their ticket for 100 bucks in row five, you can see if someone from a different site is selling their seat for, I don't know, 90 bucks in row four. I can't tell you how many times I've ended up spending less money for a better seat because of this app. And the beauty is the price that you see on the app is the final price. So all the nonsense ticket fees that some of these, uh, I won't mention their names, but some of these sites like to tack on there before you check out. SeatGeek shows you the final price before you hit checkout. Uh, it's probably the most used app on my phone behind MLB at bat. I just, I really genuinely love these guys. I pretty much don't buy tickets from any other source these days. So if you guys want to support the show, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code clubhouse, and SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first purchase. This is going to save you guys money and it's going to help keep this show free. So thank you SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. On to this week's episode. This week on the Clubhouse, we continue our stadium series as we discuss the desert-dwelling Arizona Diamondbacks and their domed stadium, Chase Field. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com slash tour to find out when he is coming to your town. Over the next several months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every single team, and we will be discussing why we think you should visit each and every one of their home ballparks. We are also including episodes from my Rounding Third podcast, which features interviews that I did with fans I met as I made my 17,000-mile drive across the country to attend a ball game at all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up for you for our more regular episodes that we will be dropping every couple of weeks or so. Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes for free so that you never miss our surprise guests. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a wonderful day for baseball. My name is Manish Chain, and sitting next to me, bobbing his head to the rhythmic noises of the refrigerator in the background, is Mr. Anthony Rapp. Hello. <laughs> so on today's podcast, our, in our very special stadium series, we will be discussing Chase Field in Arizona, in the desert, the hot, hot desert, the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And therefore home of... Zach Greinke. Who saw that coming? No one. $206.5 million over six years Yeah, okay. is a lot of money. So a couple things about Chase Field. One, they have a pool table. Yeah, they do. In a little bar area in the, like, I don't even know what you call it. It's sort of like past the bleachers in the outfield. I don't even know what you would normally call that thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the outfield area. concourse, I guess. Yeah. So they have a pool table. So Manish and I enjoyed a little pool table a moment before the game because we got the ballpark early. That was fun. Yeah. You don't see that every day. 
I don't necessarily like gimmicks, but it's not a gimmick that distracts from the game because when you're sitting in the stands, you can't see that pool table. Yeah. Generally. You know what I'm saying? So, sure. Let's have a pool table. <laughs> the other thing, it's air-conditioned. Roof. <laughs> Other thing, but I, but you understand why though. I mean, that's yeah, Arizona no, is pretty much the it's only ballpark in the country that I yeah. give a pass for because yeah. it is 115 degrees there in the summer. So yeah. I mean, yeah. The other thing, it's the sad truth about the de- it's the desert, and baseball needs grass, and we hate astroturf. And yeah. They have grass, but the grass was in sad, sad shape. Yeah, I'm telling you, I don't understand why it was because I've been to games there before, and it wasn't nearly. I was appalled at how dead and just awful the grass looked patchy yeah Yeah, i don't they must have had i I keep forgetting to check they must have just had a concert or some sort of monster truck rally or or something that some of these ballparks do every once in a while where where because i it was really sad to see the state of that uh of that uh field yeah so now they all i mean they have quite a few gimmicks there they have uh I, i don't know if you remember but they do have a climbing wall there, uh, the Mountain Dew climbing wall, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like to rock climb there. I didn't remember that. Oh, no, wait. Is that there? No. That might be in Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, there goes Milwaukee I'm again. I'm getting my stadiums confused. I, and, but this is, in terms of Milwaukee, because we were in Milwaukee when the roof was closed, I did feel like as a roof-closed stadium goes, Chase is a much more pleasant atmosphere. It's my favorite one. It's my favorite domed uh, stadium when it does close, when the retractable roof is closed. It's So we've got Miami, we got Houston, uh, 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 Seattle, Milwaukee, Milwaukee and, and uh, Chase there. And yeah, by country mile, Chase is probably my favorite uh, when the roof is closed. What about Safeco? Safeco, I've not seen what the roof closed. That's the oh, problem. Okay. Because how in, in 81 games a year, how many times on average do you think they close the roof in Seattle? 81 times a year. Between 5 and 10. Yeah, 11. But yeah. 11 times a year, that's it. You would assume it's Seattle. It's going to be because in Miami, pretty it's much from... It's not usually downpouring in Seattle. That's the thing. It's like drizzle. Sure, so sure. they can play in drizzle. Yeah, they can play in drizzle. But, you know, it's, it's in Houston and Miami... It's pretty much closed for five and a half months out of yeah, the year. Yeah. Um, they may as well be a dome it's, yeah. at that point. Uh, so I was really, really pleasantly surprised and happy when I found that out about Safeco. But we'll talk about Safeco in another episode. We're going to be talking about Chase right now. And, uh, well, I mean, what do That's you That's some more good food. I think I had, didn't I have another salad? There? You did have another salad. Yes, delicious you did. salad. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you could get a delicious salad at a ballpark? Not I. Ah, a lot of ballparks are doing it now, though. Yeah, well, thank you, ballparks. So uh, For thinking of the health-conscious folks who don't just want their hot dogs slathered in chili and cheese. So I have a question for you as a Cubs fan. What? When was the last time the Cubs won the World Series? 1908. Okay. The Arizona Diamondbacks... Yes. ...came into existence... Yes. ...in what year? Uh, 99? 98, I believe. 98? 1998. They won in 2001. They won in 2000. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm aware. How, as a Cubs fan, as you were also watching... Also with terrible, 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 ugly uniforms with that purple and green, <laughs> terrible A. Yeah. I think I bring those back, the, by the way. I prefer the Sedona situation right now. I think it's really? much better. I do. Okay. I do. Okay. The burnt, the burnt the bur- umber. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> like, I think it looks much better. Okay. Is it, does Zach Greinke want the purple and... And teal. I mean, if he does, they're going to have it. I mean, I, at this point, I, I have a feeling that whatever Granky wants, Granky's going to get. I mean, yeah. But I mean, but. Uh, What's your point? What's your point? Well, other my, than rubbing salt in It's not about rubbing salt. It's just about, it's it's when you see stuff like that. Is it is it just, is it, 
Are you excited for them? Are you frustrated? Are you how? It doesn't. I don't know that I feel it any particular way. Well, that year was the infamous. I mean, infamous is a terrible. Yeah, no, but it was after September 11th. That was that was after September 11th. You know, it was the Mr. November game with with, uh, Mr. Jeter uh, being crowned uh, Mr. November since the the series was delayed a little bit, and you know that was one of those games that. You know, it was a bad managing call. You know, of sorts to bring the infield in yeah. uh, for that for that for that hit because uh, yeah, I mean, would have uh, been an out. Would have been an out, probably. Yep. Most likely, uh, and Luis Gonzalez just blooped it out yep. there and, and did what he had to do. So, were you able to? Because you're a New York guy, so I'm trying to t- take you back to 2001. Yeah, I I wasn't as into. I mean, I was aware of what was going on, but I wasn't as directly following baseball. Okay. Then as much, I would like watch some. Okay. But I wasn't, you know, I you know, I I did get more bandwagony in 2003. Okay, sure, sure. When the Cubs were contending again. Sure. And then, as we've talked about, like more fully understanding that I could actually watch games on the interwebs and and through the package you could get at the time on cable or whatever it was. So that was my gateway back into really paying close attention. So sure. I was aware of what was going on, but I wasn't like following it. Like okay. Oh, as, fair as, enough. As, fair as enough. Closely. So that, okay. So then maybe. But I, but it is interesting to talk about these because it, it goes again to 2003 with the Marlins, again, another expansion team. That yes, the there World you series, go. You know, but. I, that doesn't really bother me. I mean, it's fine for them. I it's it's okay. I know that there's some pe- purists who are like get really upset or something, but you know, it it is what it is. And sure, I, any team that's good could be from anywhere and could potentially win the World Series. It's a very Zen, positive way of looking at but it. But it's I the like truth. That. No, it is the truth. But I, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel if if you're sitting there, you're like it's been since 1908. Can we get well, something? Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's a but that's just a state of being. being <laughs> so okay, you know. okay. And that. and we've talked about. I think we've meant, mentioned this before. In all of our ballpark trips, so many times. I mean, I would always wear my Cubs hat, sure, and sure, or sure. a Cubs shirt, or some version of it, even if we weren't seeing the Cubs play. And so many times, people were like, "Oh, I'm sorry, man. It must be hard to be a Cubs fan." <laughs> and it's not hard. I mean, yes, there are moments, of course, and there's sort of there has been a general feeling of like, uh, like, but but things are looking up. I have faith in our team. You know, it's just well. Here's been- the one thing I want to. You mentioned a, a word that uh, I want to kind of talk about for a second. And you know what? We we haven't really talked a lot about Chase Field in this, but we went to Chase Field. We have a Chase Field episode. So if you'd like to hear that, you can go back in our archives and listen to us really uh, uh, talk about our experience at Chase Field. But you use the term bandwagon, and mm-hmm. and I want to kind of uh, talk about that for a second because I think a lot of people use that term obviously as a pejorative, and and you know they, they, it's always a negative thing. Oh, you're just a bandwagon fan, blah 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 blah. But we've talked about this, and yeah, you didn't really become the full on baseball nerd that we all love uh, today until probably '03 in that general vicinity. And so I know some people would, yes, consider you, well, you're just a bandwagon. You were just there when they were winning, blah, blah, blah. I think that when you first become a fan, no matter what age, whether you're five, whether you're 50, whenever you first become a fan, if you don't already have an established team, you know, if you don't have a team that you grew up loving. Well, I did, I did have that with the Cubs, though, too. But I right, just right. didn't right. follow what I'm saying, it. Though, I wasn't is, as but, nerdy about sure. it. Sure. But yeah. what I'm saying, though, is that if, if you didn't 
whatever your first team is. So like, let's say I, uh, you know, I had never liked, I never watched a baseball game in my life. And all of a sudden in 1996, you know, I start, I turn on, I, it's my first year I'm watching baseball. Becoming a Yankee fan would make sense because why wouldn't you want to be a part of something, someone who's winning and whatever. Now here's where the bandwagon stuff separates. At that point, you are free to be a Yankee fan for the rest of your life. And even when they're winning, when they're losing, who cares? I think the bandwagons that people get upset about are, so I'm a Yankee fan in 96, I'm a Marlins fan in 97, I'm a Yankees fan in 98, 99, 2000, I'm a Diamondbacks in 2001, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I think that's where it is. I think being a bandwagon fan to jumpstart your fandom is fine if then you continue that fandom for all time. Yeah, I, yeah sure. I, just, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know, I, I get in those arguments with, with baseball fans or just sports fans in general about the kind of derisively, ugh, the, those bandwagons, they're just those bandwagons. They, they weren't there for the bad times. Okay, but they can be there for the future bad times that will exist, yes. you know? Because it's always going to happen. It's and also, right. I love bandwagon fans because, you know, whatever. They bring money to the city. I love it. Whenever Detroit's doing well, there's always more Tigers fans that come out of the woodwork. Great. Their money goes back to the city. So please, bandwagoners, buy all the shirts, buy all the jerseys, buy all, buy all the hats. Do what you got to do to show off your fake allegiances. It's all going to, you know... Mike Gillich, so hopefully we can buy some some more players. Well, that's not really going to the city, that is it? <laughs> no, but it's going to the city too. Like it's when 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 Detroit's doing well, the city's doing well. The, the restaurants, the bars, oh, okay, the, the, the everything. Yeah. yeah, when when the Tigers <laughs> are doing, when, <laughs> we're just talking about Little Caesars magnets <laughs> making more money. Oh, believe me, I'm buying every time I buy Little Caesars pizza, those five dollar fresh you know pizzas as much as I can, so that we can afford whoever it is that's that's going to be out there. Because good lord, these contracts, God bless them. Yeah. I love it. Good for the players, but. <laughs> Oh, we are both in the wrong industry, sir. No, if that's what's important to you. $206 million, it's a lot of money. I understand, but economies of scale, what are you going to do with it at a certain point? What are you going to do with it? Yeah, oh, wow. I'm just here. I'm like, great. (laughs) Very true. All right, well, with that, very, very, uh, um, I don't even know what to call that. Just uh, a lovely sentiment, we'll just say. We will uh, connect you now to the rounding third uh, segment here of the podcast where I interviewed a uh, a father and daughter in Arizona uh, just about their allegiances. Uh, Actually, it was a dad who was a football fan first and was actually did not become a baseball fan until much later in life now that I think about it. Oh, good segue, Manish. Didn't even plan that. But uh, he... Uh, talks about actually kind of following the the, the Diamondbacks uh, in their early years and now becoming a season ticket holder and whatnot. And it's a really cool uh, chat with this gentleman. So, uh, yeah, anything else you'd like to say about the beautiful uh, or, you know, nice, I'll say. Oh, they have a gym inside, which is great. There's a, there's a, a working gym that uh, I think the day that we were there, the door was closed. But the first time I went there, you could actually get into the gym and work out a little bit. <laughs> you have to be a member? Yeah, you have to be a yeah. member, obviously. Yeah. But, if, you know, if I was a season ticket holder there, I'd be a member of the gym sure. and get a quick little workout in the sixth inning. And I like that there's public transportation available to the ballpark yes. for for a city that is woefully l- low on public transportation options. That there's that there there is an opportunity yeah. to get there. And there's some nice you know. bars and restaurants around mm-hmm. the uh, uh, that area. And it's, it's and the, the staff was really nice. I remember too, like the ushers and the and the. All the people, like there was just a good vibe. I'm glad you said that. It's another, once again, great segue to the rounding third segment. You're about to hear me uh, going way back in time and saying that exact same thing that on my 30 stadium tour, the number one fan experience that I had was at Chase Field. Um, From top to bottom, all of them treated, not just me, but everybody insanely well. So good on you, Chase Field, for really treating your fans correctly. 
So uh, well, yeah, with that, we will see you next time here in the clubhouse. We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion, so please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special, or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with the president of Mile High Sports, James Merrillat. In this clip, James tells us why he missed the 2007 World Series, which featured his beloved Rockies. I had tickets to game five. Uh, they got swept. I was in I was in Mexico for a wedding. I missed every single uh, game. Didn't watch a single World Series game uh, because there is no safer thing to do in Colorado <laughs> than plan a wedding in October. You have no chance of having the World Series be a conflict except that year. I was in um, Reagan International Airport when they lost game four. I was in the DC airport watching the final out of game four to see the World Series end. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Chase Field. This is going to be tough. I was wrong. There is a way to do indoor baseball right, and the people here in Arizona have figured it out. Now, it's not just because it was about 150,000 degrees out. More accurately, I think it touched about 107, 108. The atmosphere inside of this retractable roof is spectacular. You guys have been subjected to my whining and complaining about watching baseball indoors with a roof over my head. And I'm sure, well, no, I'm sick of hearing me talk about it. So I'm telling you that I'm ready to take all of that back <laughs> in, in one fail swoop. Um... Now, I'm not saying that this this lets Miami and Houston and Tampa and everyone else off the hook, but they got it right here in Arizona. And the fact that they were the first retractable roof actually makes me a little bit sad that the other cities haven't taken a page out of their book. Um, built in 1998, the Arizona Diamondbacks are one of the newest franchises in Major League Baseball. And being located in the desert, for obvious reasons, they decided to go ahead and put a retractable roof on their stadium. Now, unlike places like Miami and Houston, who I still firmly believe are taking advantage of their closed roof policies, there are real health concerns about keeping the roof open here in Arizona. I had so much fun that I decided to go to two games uh, while I was down here at Chase Field, but that first game, there was a promotional giveaway. And, you know, I'm sure if if you're listening to this uh, podcast, you've been to your fair share of giveaway days at the ballpark. You know, sometimes you get a bobblehead, you might get a replica jersey, maybe a poster. Uh, you know, the t-shirt is generally on the lower end of what you can expect at the park. Um, so I assumed that on a day where it was about 105, 110, that if I got to the ballpark a couple hours early, you know, I, I should be in good shape. You know, for a 7 o'clock start time, I should be okay if I get there by about 4.30, 4, 4.30. 
Well, much to my surprise, by the time I arrived in downtown Phoenix, there was a line around the block of people that had showed up around 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the hot, hot sun all to get themselves a free Diamondbacks t-shirt. Now, I applaud these folks for their dedication and their passion and their desire to get free stuff. But, oh, <laughs> I mean, I had to go sit in the shade for a little bit and sit um, at the bar where they had nice little misting areas where you could be uh, covered in, in cool water and listen to some live music. Uh, but I digress. It was hot. I'm grateful there was a roof. I'm sorry to the... Uh, you know what? No, I'm not sorry. I'm not apologizing. I maintain my indignance towards Miami and Houston and Tampa for, well, not so much Tampa, it's not really their fault, but Miami and Houston for choosing to close the roof on days where they really didn't need to. But, you know, down here in Phoenix, if we're going to continue to have baseball in Arizona, we really need to make sure that these people are covered because it gets hot. But enough about the weather. I may have found the best ballpark on the planet in regards to fan relations and just overall experience for the people in the stands. Um, you know, thus far, Camden is still kind of number one for me as far as being the quintessentially best baseball park. Um, St. Louis is still near the top for the views. Kansas City is still tops for um, if you got kids. But for kids, adults, people of all ages, I think Arizona might be number one. Um, for, for overall fan experience, I cannot believe just how, as I said, I went to two games here, you know, and, I, and, and a lot of times if you go to one game, you know, you can, you might catch them on a good day. You know, you might see the mascot who's decided today he's going to go a little bit in the stands or the uh, ushers that you may have met some one day might be extra nice, but you know, when you go to two games, you get a pretty good sense of what it's really like to go to the stadium. And I'm telling you, both games that I went to were, were so much fun from, from top to bottom, from the players in the field to the mascot to the rally backs to the, um, just the ushers, the vendors. Literally every single person that I met there went out of their way to make sure that everyone was having a good time. Um, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of stadiums have mascots nowadays, and I'll be honest with you, most of them are pretty lame. You know, they they will either stay on the field or stay on the dugout. They might run around here or there, but it's kind of you know whatever. You know, it, it's mainly just for the young young kids to see something, some big furry animal, you know, running around. But you know, they got the bobcat here in in Arizona, and this mascot was constantly running around the field, running around the stadium, stopping and taking pictures with people, kids, adults, it didn't matter. He was having fun, you know, sitting in the seats and messing with the fans or just doing something to keep everybody engaged. Uh, on top of that, you know, they've got obviously the indoor pool that we all know about. That's, that, that's a fun little gimmick, but, you know, I was interested to see that that is available to the general public. You know, I assumed wrongfully that that may be bought out by some corporate company year after year. But uh, no, I mean, if you have the money and you have the the luck to be able to reserve it early, anyone can go and spend a yay in that pool, which is, you know, if you, could, if you live down there, it'd be a kind of fun little thing to try once or twice. 
But if you're not lucky enough to snag yourself a swimming pool seat, there's another type of pool that is open to anybody at any point during the game. As you walk around the concourse and you find yourself near the center field area, you can come across a place called the Diamond Club, which, you know, it's pretty much got its standard bar set up and couches and chairs for people to sit in and enjoy the game from center field. But they also have a really nice pool table set up. As long as nobody else is using it, it's free to play. Luckily, this is one of the rare games where I was not going alone, and so my buddy Rindler and I went ahead and racked it up. And I am proud to say that I am the rounding third undefeated 30 Stadium Tour champion of pool. And to be fair, both of us were terrible, and I got lucky. But honestly, it was pretty fun um, to be able to play a game of pool there with the field in the background. There's a lot about the stadium that I really love. I mentioned in my write-up for the site that it's the little things that make this park special. Uh, I don't know exactly why I felt this way, but this was the first domed stadium where, at a certain point, I legitimately forgot that there was a roof over my head. Now, I'm not sure if this roof is somehow higher than the rest or if there's some architectural reason why it felt much more expansive, but, you know, when I was in... Miami, when I was in Houston, I was constantly aware that there was a roof above my head, and I was constantly aware that I was indoors. But this was really the first one where it completely just slipped my mind, and it was honestly just about the game on the field and the excitement of exploring this 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 ballpark. I mentioned the rallybacks earlier, and I really got to say how unbelievably impressed I was at just the interaction and the excitement level that that these girls showed for not only just the Diamondbacks, but in really getting the fans up off their feet and, and excited to watch a game. For both games that I attended, there was a sign-making setup that the Rallybacks had where anyone could go, and they supplied the markers, they supplied the poster board, they supplied everything, and they helped you create your own sign. I ended up spending... I'm going to say a solid 20 to 25 minutes just hanging out at this table, talking to these girls, talking to some of the guys that were hanging around there about Diamondbacks baseball and just watched people make signs to support individual players, just the team itself, or even just Major League Baseball. It's amazing how such an easy, simple thing can really unify a fan base. As soon as one person makes a sign, all of a sudden you notice dozens of other people wanting to get their own signs made or admiring other people's signs, stopping people as they walk around trying to really uh, appreciate all the hard work and love and passion that went into creating these little signs. Uh, as I've said before, it's, it's the little things. You know, Even as you're listening to this, you may think to yourself, Manish, what are you talking about? It, they're making signs. Relax. It's not that big of a deal. You know, they got a pool table. Who cares? I got a pool table in my basement. It's not that big of a deal. Ooh, so the mascot hangs out with the people. Oh, I don't care. You're right. In and of themselves, doesn't really matter. But altogether, it creates this perfect amalgamation of fun. This is a team that, as I mentioned earlier, came into existence in 1998. It doesn't have the history of a Yankees or a Cubs or or even a, a Rangers or a Twins. A big part about coming out to the ballpark is sitting in the same seats that our fathers and grandfathers sat in. 
you know, and, and watching the same uniforms that were around in the early 1900s. The historical context that makes baseball so great. Arizona's still building their historical context. Sure, they got a World Series to their name, but they came into existence when I was in high school. I mean, they don't really have a lot to, to talk about. So instead of focusing on the past, they're trying to focus on the future. And they're trying to create an environment that's going to invite more young kids out to the ballpark. And not just young kids, but people of all ages. You know, the one thing I haven't even mentioned yet is for game one, or I'm sorry, for game two that I was at, I sat along the third base side. And I was on the front row, the third base side, pretty decent seats. And before the game, as the Diamondbacks players are warming up and they're on the field stretching and whatnot, Didi Gregorius and a couple of the other Diamondbacks players just saunter over to the, uh, uh, to the wall there and they just start signing autographs and, and talking to some of the fans. This is about 10 minutes before first pitch, 15 minutes before first pitch, and they're still enjoying themselves and, and just interacting with, with all the fans. In most ballparks, there's a designated area for autographs or to talk to the players, and that's normally about an hour before the game, and it's right down by the dugouts. And you might be able to get one of the coaches or one of the bench players or someone who's really not in the lineup that day to sign something for you. But to have some of their star players like Didi Gregorius, and I saw Paul Goldschmidt talking to some people, to have these guys take the time to go and speak to the young fans was something that I was incredibly impressed with. Once again, it's the little things. It's because of these little things that Arizona has been able to build a fan base of people who actually never really liked baseball to begin with. Uh, That includes a gentleman by the name of Daniel McLaughlin and his lovely young daughter, Madison, who I was sitting next to at the game and I started chatting with. And I found out that Daniel was a guy who never liked baseball uh, until 1998. And since 1998, he goes to games every single year and has become a diehard Arizona Diamondbacks fan. He takes his daughters to the ballpark individually and together. Uh, Today, it was his time with his uh, young girl, Madison, who I was also able to get on the podcast just for a couple seconds there to get her feelings about Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. But it was really quite encouraging to see that this was a grown man. He was already a fully grown adult male who never enjoyed baseball. But when the Diamondbacks came to town, he came out to the ballpark and instantly became a fan. And I give a lot of credit to that, to the Arizona Diamondbacks ownership uh, and just their front office. Because I've been to ballparks where, you know, if you come to the game late in life and you don't really know what's going on, it can be difficult to pick up all the nuances and what makes baseball fun. But Arizona here, they do not allow you to not have fun. From the moment you step inside that ballpark, there is something for absolutely everybody. Um, But with that, I want to quickly just let you guys listen to the the brief chat that I had with Daniel and his daughter. And after you hear that, uh, we'll be right back. All right, so uh, I'm at Chase Field with... Daniel McLaughlin. Daniel, it's nice to meet you. And uh, we are... uh, Sitting here, we're under the dome here, but it's about 130,000 degrees outside, so it's it's all right to sit uh, in a roof when it's this this hot. So you've been a season ticket holder off and on? Not even a season Not ticket even holder. Season, no, do you just come to 20, 40 games a year? Uh, this game so far, I've only been to eight, but I used to come to anywhere between 20 to 30 games a year. That is pretty fantastic, and you've been coming here since 1998? Yep. 
So you were telling me before uh, we turned this on that you actually never liked baseball before 1998. You didn't have a team. You were a big football guy, and you jumped over to baseball with the Diamondback. Yep. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, how did that happen? Um, it was more or less a bunch of friends got together. <laughs> we got uh, tickets to our first game. We were sitting three rows from the top. I mean, way up in the top of uh, Bank One Ballpark at the time. Um, they all came to party. I came to watch the game. <laughs> just became an avid Diamondbacks fan after that. Just did, wanted to go to more games. I love the aura of this park, the people in this park, the, the Diamondbacks themselves. Just a great team. You know, that's really really fun for me to hear because most people you hear aren't really fans and they're old you know and, and as they get older they basically you either became a fan when you were a kid or you pretty much never liked baseball so the fact that you were able to come to it a little bit late it's pretty fascinating to me oh yeah i, I love it I mean, i'll sit here i think i've only watched i think i've only missed six games on tv with the exception of the games that i have that i've come to i've only missed about six of them on that were on tv this year that is absolutely fantastic so uh i know this is gonna be a hard question you've been coming for so long but can you just tell me a couple of your just favorite memories of you know coming here to chase field and kind of what this means to both you know you and also the community in the city well i'm making some great memories this season with um the daddy daughter nights we have being being a father of three daughters i'm on my second daddy daughter night with my middle daughter sitting next to me who i call mini me um I'm, I'm building some really good memories this year, especially with my kids, um, with getting autographed baseballs and winning items and sitting so close to the field, knowing the players. Um, in the past, some of my favorite memories, um, as bad as it may sound, when Jay Bell threw the ball and hit the umpire in the face and broke his nose. <laughs> um, you know, games like that kind of stand out to you. I mean, watch it, watching <laughs> watching stuff like that, That I mean, not on purpose, but yeah. um, you, you can always go back and say, I was sitting right over there when that happened. It's. <laughs> I mean, I, there's not a single section in the lower section that I really don't have a memory of me sitting in there watching a game, um, whether it be a good game or a bad game. I've sat here and watched 15 inning games and haven't left to the last out. That is, that's, oh, see, that makes, that warms my heart right there. Not leaving to the last out, that is something that I'm a big proponent of. And I got to tell you, another thing is, bringing your lovely daughter here, I desperately want more girls and more women to be at the ballpark. So I like the fact, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you, what do you, this is your first game, correct? No, I've actually been here before. Oh my goodness, I was wrong. This is your third game. Okay, is this your first game this year? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, so it's your first game this year. So tell me, what was your first experience at the ballpark? What exactly was that like for you? Uh, I kind of felt lost, and um, I was kind of a little confused about the how it worked, And um, but it was really fun. You like coming with your dad? Yeah. So, um... In the last couple of years now, you know, you guys have been flirting with the playoffs here and there, but in 2001, we all know you guys had that magical year. What are your, some of your memories about uh, coming out to the ballpark that season? Oh, 2001, was, it was a good year. Um, I think I did 20 games that year and finished it off with game one and game seven of the 2001 World Series. Um, you really, you can't get any more highlights than that. Um, I had, I guess you could say back then, I knew a lot of low people in high places. Um, and being in the position I was, being a superintendent for seven of the largest home builders in the state of Arizona, I got tickets thrown at me all the time. Um, to get those tickets, not only to get those tickets. Well, hold on one second. We got a scoreboard game here, and this gentleman just did something or other, and he's bowing. <laughs> he's very happy. <laughs> he's knocking over water bottles with a baseball that is hanging off his head from a sock. I didn't really do that justice but it's oh they're tights i apologize yes those were tights <laughs> all right so go ahead but to sit here in section 131 
and actually be sitting in row 10 in game seven of the 2001 World Series. I mean, can you can you not get any better than that? That I'm, I, I was uh, able to sit behind home plate for the Tigers World Series back in 06, and obviously that was a much different uh, uh, result there. So I can only imagine what it can be like to be there for a game seven clinching game for your home team and watching that. That's I'm like, that's the dream. That's what everybody wants to do. The decibel level was deafening. Well, that's, you know, I, you know, I'm doing this 30 stadium tour and obviously this is a dream of all baseball fans. But look, to this day, I've never been to a clinching game of a World Series live for my home team. That is, I think right there, that's that's uh, that's a memory that you're going to take for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So who, who, um, do you remember who you were at the game with for that, uh, for that one? Um, a guy named Marty is who I came to the game with. Um, haven't actually talked to him since about 2002. So it, it's just one of those we were happened to be working together. The tickets were given to us. Um, he was another superintendent for the company, and we were the two chosen to go. Yeah, but you know what? You guys are going to be forever bonded with that memory. Yep. You'll see each other 30 years from now, and that'll be the first thing you say exactly. to each other. Do you remember Game 7? <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're going to wrap this up real quick. If you just had any other final thoughts about this field, about this team, kind of what it means to this city. You said you've been – you you lived in, in uh, Nevada for a couple years, but yep. you've been basically native-born uh, – yep. uh, what is that, Phoenician? Is that yep. – all right. Uh, so just what does this stadium mean to this uh, city? Um, when the stadium came to town, there was a lot of controversy because, first off, the taxpayers played for half the stadium. Um, so there was a lot of controversy of do we need baseball in Arizona. Um, and we just unfortunately saw a Colorado Rockies home run right there, but that's all right. So, it's a solo shot. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Um, what is brought to us, I mean, so far, we're the, it's the only Arizona team to ever win a world championship. Um, the playoffs that we've gone to. Um, it has brought so much income, so much revenue, um, so much publicity, and so much of a fan base of just the great players they bring into the Diamondbacks. And the general managers and the vice presidents and the managers that we've had have all struggled through 1998 since we have became a team to make sure that we get the right players in this town to really I would say bend over backwards for the fans. I mean, the, the players' wives are always doing stuff for the Diamondbacks charities. The Diamondbacks charities is one of the biggest charities in all of Major League that donate the most money out of it, out of anybody. Well, that is fantastic. You know, I that is the one thing they I've heard them say something about. This is the best fan experience, and, and you know, and you hear that a lot of the stadiums uh, boast that. But I will say, thus far, I've been having an absolute blast. I mean, I think I told you I've, I've gone to a couple of games under a dome, and normally I'm very against domed baseball or inside baseball, but. It is, it, this place, you know, for, for all everybody out there, you need to come and check out Chase Field because it is just a beautiful ballpark and pretty much everyone top to bottom in this organi organization has been unbelievably gracious to me and, and my buddy and just, you know, it, it's been a really fun time. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it goes back to when the Buck Showalter, who started this franchise, he's the one who designed the locker room. I mean, ever since then, uh, the managers and the players, <coughs> And the fan base, I honestly, I don't think you can beat it. I don't think you can. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate no it. Problem. Thank you. A big thanks to Daniel and his daughter Madison for chatting with me there during the game. And that's actually the first time I'd listened back to that interview since uh, being at the game. And I got to tell you, I didn't realize how much I was gushing about the fan experience in the interview itself. So I apologize to all of you listening to this right now for having to hear me go on and on and on about how great the the Diamondbacks organization is. But, you know, it's it's all the truth. It, it's You can tell from that interview that in the moment I was just as excited as I am right now. I, I really do highly, highly, highly recommend catching a game in Phoenix, uh, no matter what 
the weather's like because it's always going to be cool inside that dome. Now, there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring up that uh, were discussed in that interview. The first was Madison's idea of feeling lost when she first came to Chase Field. And I really like the way she put that. I've talked to quite a lot of people about their first experiences stepping foot inside of a major league ballpark. And both young and old, one of the most common themes that I hear is the idea of feeling lost, feeling small, feeling less than. And, you know, it's one of those experiences that I remember from going to Tiger Stadium for the first time and feeling like I was just this little insignificant speck. But as soon as you sit down in those seats, you're no longer an insignificant speck. You're a part of something bigger, a part of something greater. You're a part of the common goal that we all have to cheer our team on to victory. And that's when you become hooked. That's when you go see 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 games a year. That's when you become a baseball fan. You know, the other thing I wanted to bring up, I may not even talk about. I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the scoreboard game that you heard us get interrupted by during the interview very briefly. And you know, I'll, I'll just make this quick. Essentially, I get sick and tired of people saying that baseball is boring and that baseball is too slow and there's too much downtime in baseball. Because in between innings, it's about a minute, minute and a half. And when you're watching it live, they've always got something going on on the scoreboards, whether it be a trivia contest or a little song and dance number or kiss cam or the mascots coming out and shooting off T-shirts into the crowd. They've got, there's, you're constantly being stimulated. So if your problem is that it's boring, then you, sir or madam, may have a severe case of ADHD and you need to go talk to your doctors because you got to get that checked out. If anything, it's almost an overstimulating experience coming to the ballpark these days. So I'll, I'll cut myself short there before getting on some long old man rant about, you know, you kids these days. But I would just say that once again, much like everything else these guys did, they made sure that the fans were entertained in between innings and that there was never a dull moment here at Chase Field. This was the 13th stop on my 30 stadium tour. And, you know, so far, I mean, by just leaps and bounds, this has been the best overall experience I've had. You know, I had a lot of fun in Atlanta. I had a great time in Camden and in Kansas City and in St. Louis and in Baltimore and DC. Everywhere. I've had I've had fun at every single stadium. Don't get me wrong. But just pure right to my veins from the moment I stepped in to the field to the moment I left. It wasn't just the fans that made this place a really good time. It was the 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 organization. You know, I, I think I'd I had mentioned that Atlanta at this point was probably the most just pure, unadulterated fun that I'd had so far on this tour. But that was largely because of the fan base that was there and just the excitement that was in that stadium. Uh, I, I firmly believe that even if there was 10,000 people in the stands in at Chase Field, I would still have a good time just because this organization does such a good job of making sure that everybody is taken care of. So Arizona, keep it up. There are 17 more teams that I got to check out to see if they're going to challenge for your title. But right now, you are a, a clear winner for overall fan experience. So with that last bit of praise, it brings us to the end of another podcast. I will remind you to go check out roundingthird.net for all the write-ups and photos that I've taken of the tour so far. Please follow me at roundingthirdmj on Twitter. You can 
shoot me an email anytime at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. Any questions you have, I'd be glad to answer. Thank you so much to all of you for listening. It's time for me to leave Arizona and head to California. So join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse Podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.